Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news. This is Brian Conger, the host of Wildcat Radio, and if this is your first time tuning in, welcome. Uh, definitely subscribe to the podcast for free on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, any podcast catcher, we are there. You can dig our 12-part series breaking down every Pac-12 team position by position, including our advanced statistics from BetaRank, and uh, stick with us the entire season. We're going to record weekly. We'll talk about basically anything in the Pac-12 football-oriented. We're going to be there breaking down the games, previewing them, etc., etc. You can also listen to the podcast on our website, wildcatradioaz.com. We got a ton of stuff up there right now. Pactual podcast articles. We have uh, Pactual players you should know. Um, we host our beta rank advanced uh, college football statistics on there and contests, including our Pac-12 survivor pool, which is open to everyone. So definitely check that site out and join. And by the way, stick around after this first interview because we have Marcus Greaves on of the damn podcast and beaverblitz.com. He's actually going to break down the Oregon State Beavers and he did a great job. So that's a continuation of that series. But you know it's football season when we have this guest on. She is great. She knows her stuff. And she is the party of the Pac-12 Network. What is going on, Kate Scott? <laughs> hey, Brian. It is so good to be back with you. Has it, has it really been a year since it's a, we talked last preseason? I wow. think so. And it's amazing that time flies so fast. I think last year we were lagging so much. On, on my, at least I was. I don't know about you. About, oh my gosh, when's <laughs> football season going to start? When's it going to start? And then it happened. And this one, it just seemed like it, it breezed through. And I think it's probably because there is so much to cover this year. I mean, it's like this every year, but just the influx of talent into the Pac-12 this year, we have three players that are on the Heisman Trophy list. We have all yeah. these young up and coming players. You know, when you look at the Pac-12, Kate, A, how, how excited are you for football season to start? And B, like, who are some of the players that, that you really are, are finally excited to watch actually play on the field rather Rather than kind of in theory. Yeah, right. I know it is a really exciting off season, and and I tried to compare it. Like, do I just feel this way every off season because you get that break, which obviously builds the anticipation for the next college football season? But but I think this one does feel different because of what you said. Because we saw flashes of so many guys last year, like Khalil Tate, like Bryce Love, like Justin Herbert, who are obviously the main guys being talked about um, for the Heisman so far, even though we haven't played any games. But also let's talk about all the new coaches, right? So many new coaches. Almost half of the teams turned over when it came to a head coach uh, this past offseason. So I I think because of that um, and because of the fact that so many of those coaches, let's just take Arizona, for example, with Kevin Sumlin and Herm Edwards landing at places where they actually have pretty good stuff to start with, right? Got Manny Wilkins, got Khalil Tate, got Nikhil Harry, got J.J. Taylor. So I'm excited to see what they do. Obviously, the return of Chip Kelly to the Conference (laughs) of Champions, going from the North Division down to the South Division to, to try to kind of get that USC-UCLA rivalry back to what it was, what, in the 80s and 90s, and get those to be two big-time powerhouse brands, not just in the Pac-12, but but in the country. Um, And then is this going to be the year that Oregon kind of gets back to to really being in that North conversation after a couple of years of drop-off and kind of letting UW and Stanford go go neck-and-neck to see who was going to be the North team playing in the Pac-12 championship game? So, I'm excited about so much, and and to try to narrow it down is difficult, but I think the best way to do that right now is just just to start off with a couple of the guys that we both just mentioned, you know, Tate, Love, Justin Herbert. I'm also 
I know he didn't have as incredible of a season as he did two years ago, leading the the dogs to the pack to, or the uh, college football playoff. But Jake Browning, and, and let's not forget about uh, Miles Gaskin, uh, his running back who decided to come back, and Savan Ahmed, another running back who's going to be playing for the dogs this year. I got to be up there in Seattle for the uh, the Washington Spring quote unquote game. I like to just call it a practice. <laughs> um, but you know they they and I talked to Ashley Adamson, who's who's our lead female anchor for the Pac-12 Network. Uh, she was up there just a couple of weeks ago during uh, training camp, and I said, do they, they seem to have a chip on their shoulder to you? Do they really seem like everybody on that team came back with something to prove this year that they weren't a fluke two years ago? That Jake should be in the Heisman conversation. That Bryce Love isn't the only running back that we should be talking about. You know that Tate and Herbert are getting too much pub, and that hey, here's Browning, and he's done it for three years, and he's coming back for more. Um, and, and she said, "Yeah, definitely. I feel like I feel like it could be a special season. Obviously, it all it all depends on how they do September first against Auburn and down in that home game in Georgia for the Auburn Tigers." But so, just to kind of wrap things up, uh, I think there's so much to be excited about because of the new coaches, because of the incredible talented student athletes we have coming back. And then, like you said, like happens every year, there's going to be somebody that we haven't mentioned at all yet who's six game into the season. We're going to be saying. Is Khalil Tate uh, have a chance at the Heisman? Just like happened last year, right? There's yep. going to be some guy who, who comes off the bench. Patrick Laird wasn't the starting running back for the Cal Bears last year. Trey Watson goes down, and all of a sudden, who is this kid who's reading books as his touchdown celebration? So <laughs> that has me excited, too. The guys who we know, but also the guys who, who we're going to know in just a couple of months. Well, you nailed it on the head. That's a heck of a home game to start with, by the way. Washington, not a home game, but a heck of an Ooh. opening game. Uh, Auburn, yeah. Washington, and if you're Jake Browning and you're seeing all this attention being paid to Justin Herbert and on this podcast too, I mean, we've barely mentioned Browning on our podcast as we do our series Mm -hmm. and every team just because uh, love and Tate and Herbert are sucking up all the oxygen. That Washington team is really nasty. I mean, that defense is excellent. Jake Browning has year after year shown that he can, um, at the very, very least manage an offense. And I think that that is uh, being uh, unkind to him. He's done a, an excellent job getting that offense and getting that team to a point where they are the best team in the conference almost year after year mm-hmm. now. And he's been behind the wheel doing that. Plus, he have, you know, I, I love the fact that we have, um, I, I was bringing on somebody that was more nationally oriented is Dan Rubenstein. And we're talking about the the Pac-12 in the sense of, I think that middle of the conference is quite good. I think we have one or two teams that are rising to the front. You mentioned Oregon, by the way. I think the answer is yes, they are going to make it to the next level. (laughs) Jim Levitt is such a wizard there on the defensive front. I know. Um, And they have the pieces in place. But I think one of the interesting parts about the Pac-12 is the teams that are perceived in that lower tier, whether it's Arizona State, uh, UCLA, mm-hmm. Colorado with Steven Montez, and even Oregon State. Uh, we're going to interview Marcus Greaves after this, who's a student athlete at Oregon State. And even just the change that uh, Coach Smith has brought there in terms of, uh, I mean, this is a team we thought was going to win six or seven games last year under Gary Anderson, I and then know. they didn't. But now, you know, some of those players come back, you have a different atmosphere there. I think even the lower tier teams are sometimes the most exciting ones to watch to see if they can put it together. Um, you know, I had a question for you about the Pac-12 network. So you have you have these players at the top tier. Um, let's just go with like Tate, Herbert, Browning, and Love. What what mm-hmm. as a network do you do to make sure that the national landscape sees these players? Because I don't think people understand that Khalil Tate 
averaged a first down every time he touched the ball, that Bryce Love mm-hmm. is literally and statistically the best returning college football running back in the history of the game. Uh, and he, the yeah. fact that he came back to Stanford with an offensive line that has four players that were at the very least uh, Pac-12 honorable mentions like that, that is going to be so fun to watch. What do you do to make sure that people see um, that these guys are the real deal and should be in the national conversation? Yeah, I think that's a great question, Brian, because that is one of the struggles about playing on the West Coast, right? And we talk about it every year. The East <laughs> yeah. Coast bias is real, if for no other reason than time zones are real, and they exist. <laughs> yeah. So it's incredible if Tate's going for 300 and 300 in a game, but if the game starts at 7 o'clock because we don't want kids to die because they're playing football in Arizona in September, you got to start the game a little bit later. So how do you then make it so that everybody sees what he did and, and really understands um, the magnitude of what he and Bryce Love and the other players in the Pac-12 are doing. And I think uh, a couple of ways to do that are anything, whether it be reading or seeing something on Twitter or Facebook or seeing it on TV, you've got to make it easy to digest and you've got to make it easy to reiterate and repeat. Because like you said, the, the things you just said, average to first down, that is a really easy thing to digest and a really easy thing for someone to say to their friend the next day at work, right? Oh my gosh, did you see Tate? He's averaging a first down every time he touches the football. Um, and same thing with the Bryce Love stat. So I think that as a network, we understand that. And now one of the things that I'm really excited about is how we've kind of reset this offseason because we've heard from fans and from the student-athletes and the coaching staff, okay, we want to get more exposure, and we understand the importance of Olympic sports, obviously. I call a lot of Olympic sports for us. Mm-hmm. I love it. We have so many national championships, you know, the Stanford men and women wrapping up the soccer titles last year. But anyway, but we also know that football is what drives everything, so I'm so excited this year we're bringing back inside Pac-12 football on Tuesday nights at 6 o'clock. It was a show that we had for a couple of years right when the network launched. And I think it's great for a number of reasons. First of all, it's a great way to start the conversation after the NFL weekend has ended too, right? We've got college football now Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We've got NFL Sunday and Monday. And then everyone wants to take a breath and kind of reset (laughs) and start looking to the next week. So we're going to have our inside Pac-12 football show, Mike Yam, Curtis Conway, Yogi Roth, an hour of just really kind of, I think, starting the conversation for the week. Okay, in case you guys were asleep on Saturday night, did you know, let's spend 10 full minutes talking about what Khalil Tate did, showing you the highlights, using our great graphics crew, putting things up, making them easy to digest, and then easy to repeat. Same thing. Let's look at how Justin Herbert and Jake Browning did. Let's compare their stats. Let's get you talking not about anybody else, but let's talk about these two Pac-12 quarterbacks. Maybe JT Daniels gets named the starter at USC this coming week. Maybe he's in that conversation. So I'm really excited that that, that is where things are started. I'm really excited that The Drive, our Emmy-winning show, which is like our documentary hard knocks show. Um, another thing that we have realized over the past couple of years is that people don't consume media the same way, right? You and I were growing up. It was Sunday. Let's wake up. Let's watch Boomer on ESPN, set the day for, for, for the football games. We'd probably watch two football games because there was no NFL network. There was uh, you know, no NFL red zone, any of that. But things have changed. So we've realized 
everybody loves the drive, but a lot of people want to see it now, want to be able to share it, want to be able to watch a clip of it at their computer at work. So we're actually launching the drive shows on Facebook Watch, which I know a lot of people, a lot of people are like, what is Facebook Watch? It's just Facebook's answer to all the other streaming services. It's pretty much just like Facebook TV. So if you go right now, I'm actually looking at it right now so I can intelligently talk about this. (laughs) I didn't even know this. This is great. Yeah. So if you go to the Pac-12 Conference Facebook page, just at Pac-12 Conference, at the very top, right underneath the headline photo, it says shows by the Pac-12 Conference. And right under that is the drive, Pac-12 Football. And currently, just loaded yesterday, or a couple of days ago, it looks like Arizona's was loaded, five-minute little sneak peek previews of all 12 teams and just little snippets as to what you're going to see. Um, and, and then as the shows kind of grow and get longer, they will all be launched on the Facebook Watch Pac-12 page. So you just go to the Pac-12 page on Facebook so that when Arizona's comes up, Arizona football can share it on their fo- Facebook page. And we're going to have little clips, you know, minute-long clips that are going to be on Twitter and on Instagram. Instagram TV is a new thing that we're working with, um, which I think is really exciting. And then for those people, we also know that there's people who aren't as into social media. Right, and that's why we're taking our show on the road this year. The pregame, so excited about that. We can get into that more in a moment. Uh, taking the live show finally out of the studio to our campuses here in the Pac-12. But we've also decided, okay, well, we know football viewers are going to be tuning in to the pregame, and like I said, inside Pac-12 football on Tuesday. So let's also debut parts of the drive there. So we're gonna, oh. as opposed to hoping that people remember a certain night that this show was on. We're trying as much as possible to make things easier for you to see and digest. So we're taking it to where you are on Facebook, on Instagram, watching Inside Pac-12 Football on Tuesday nights, watching the pregame show before your team kicks off on the Pac-12 network. Um, So I'm really excited about all those things because it comes back to what started this whole answer uh, is how do we get our student-athletes and our teams the best exposure possible when we know that people might be going to bed while their games are on on Saturday. Um, so that comes down to us, and, and hopefully this kind of reset of things really helps drive that conversation this year. I'm really glad to hear that. I think one of the things that, in addition to the top-tier players that you see, I mean, there, there are these, I don't want to say second-tier because they're just as talented. They just don't have the exposure, you know, whether it's Utah special teams like Mitch Wisnowski, like Utah fans love that guy. I've, I send anything on Twitter, and it just explodes times 20. Yep. Um, this, yep. This, this, we mentioned the Stanford offensive line. You know, one of the things that was really cool was last year, the Pac-12 was kind of a conference of cornerbacks. It's all these underclassmen like Chase Lucas, Julian Blackman, Byron Murphy, Elijah Hicks, possibly the Oregon corners. Just these guys that are really, really good and young, and they're going to be in the NFL. And if you're an NFL fan and there are more NFL fans than college fans, you're going to see these guys play probably for your team on Sunday. So just more opportunity to highlight some of these players that can sometimes get buried underneath like Khalil Tate sucks up a lot of oxygen. He was on Sports Illustrated's front page, you know, Uh, so just to giving them a little bit more love and time because they're they are quite talented and this conference has some really, really good players in it. And I think sometimes ESPN, I mean, to throw uh, spears, them, but just like the national media tends to, oh, the Pac-12 didn't make the the playoff this year. They must not be good. No, there's some really excellent players that are better than a lot of the players in in some of the conferences that made the uh, the college playoff. So but tell me a little bit more about this live show, because I saw that press release and I just thought, oh, that is like, that would be so fun to go and see because I kind of remember 
during the uh, the Pac-12 basketball tournament, you had a live set out there, and that was kind yeah. of fun. Just to I was, oh, I you know I was walking by, and you know of course I'm the guy that that does the funny walk and holds up the sign and all that stuff. <laughs> I was like, I didn't even know that that was going to be there. So, uh, what is this show going to look like when you go to different campuses to start the uh, to start your Saturdays? And see, we love those people who are the ones who walk strangely behind the camera and put up signs because you are what make the shot. You are you are the folks that give us the reason to be there, Brian. Um, and I'm so glad that you brought up Vegas because that was really the tipping point. You know, a couple years ago, uh, did a really bare bones set down at the Rose Bowl when USC and Penn State played to that amazing uh, finale. We've had an on field show at the Pac-12 championship game the last couple of years down at Levi's Stadium, and we always get really good response understandably, because right after the game is over, we're able to get players and get coaches right out to the podium, like you see on you know, the ESPNs and the NFL networks and the NBA network and those sort of things. So we thought, okay, let's take the whole show for the whole week to Vegas. Let's set it outside of T-Mobile Arena. And let's let's just see what happens. Is it going to be an added expense? Definitely. So you have to take that into account. But let's see, you know, if we bring the show to our viewers, what happens. And it was incredible. The response was awesome. Once people after the first day of the tournament realized, oh, they're here every day yeah. and they're staying out here. They're going to be before the games. They're going to be during halftime of the games, after the games. I can get on TV. Let's make some signs. Uh, and I think it all really culminated with the fact that Nick Foles had just won the Super Bowl MVP <laughs> award the month prior. He's sitting front row. He's sitting courtside. And we get him on set because, again, he's a Pac-12 guy. Evan Moore, one of our football analysts, who's going to be heavily involved in our, our new kind of fall programming setup, including the pregame shows. He's his brother-in-law. So they come up on set together, and they're just chatting and talking, and stuff's going viral because, again, nobody else has the access that we have because one of the nice things that's come over the six years that we've been in network is that the schools and the student-athletes and coaches have really come to understand that they can trust us, that we're not, we're not the gotcha media. We're not trying to do anything um, to hurt them. We're trying to amplify and let everyone else see all the incredible things we see them doing, the student athletes and the coaches and the alums like Nick Foles. Um, so I think that that moment uh, really kind of put into the leadership of the Pac-12 network, okay, this isn't at an expense, but the response to the set in Vegas was so good um, that we've got to do it for football season because basketball and football are the, are the two big sports. So uh, really excited that the pregame is launching for Utah's Thursday night game, August 30th, uh, 4 o'clock. Uh, Ashley and Mike and Nigel Burton and Yogi Roth, they're going to be outside or possibly inside. I, I'm not sure. I think, it, I think it's actually going to be on the field at Rice-Eccles Stadium. So from 4 to 5 p.m. leading right up to the game, uh, they're going to be doing stuff. They're going to be showing, you know, Utah's preview of the drive. They're going to be talking about Mitch Wisnaski. They're going to be chatting up with Utah fans because our, our social teams, uh, the, the folks who are in charge of, you know, our, our Twitter and our Facebook and our Instagram, they're going to arrive on campus a couple of days early each week. So the pregame show will obviously be there day of the game, but our social folks are going to arrive early to see how, how does Utah build up to their game? How does Arizona get ready? You know, let's go to the Friday night student rally. Let's 
see what this student group is doing on Thursday to kind of build the anticipation and the excitement. Um, and it's going to go around to, to all the different schools in the Pac-12 conference week two. They're going to be at the huge Stanford-USC showdown on the farm, so can't wait for that. Um, but again, it just gets back to we have been listening to, to you, to our viewers, to our student-athletes, to their parents, to everybody, and everybody has said, we really like what you guys bring us, but we want to be able to connect with you more. So we have taken it upon ourselves to, to get out there, to go to the campuses, to, to, to do our part, to connect and to get to chat with people and to really see, you know, we, we talk about liking to be the curtain behind the curtain. You know, ES, ESPN might get you behind that first curtain, but, it, but everybody's going to get you that. We are the Pac-12 network, so we want to get you behind there and get you access that nobody else is able to get because we are the conference of these schools. Um, so I'm, I think the pregame is a great way to do that. Um, you know, we're going to have final score after the games as well with Nick Aliotti. Toby Gerhardt is joining the uh, network this year. Really <laughs> nice. excited about that. Toby finally hanging up those cleats. He should have won the Heisman, area. by the way. He should have won the Heisman. I'm just throwing uh, that out there. <laughs> we, I know. We still give him a hard time. Even the cow grad in me gives him a hard time. But um, So I'm just, uh, as I'm sure you can tell, really excited um, about the enhanced football coverage we've got this year. Uh, and I can't wait to see that first pregame show uh, on Thursday night uh, uh August 30th, I believe, is the date. And just to get going, you know, there's going to be some hiccups as any time you launch a new show. But uh, I think it's going to be a whole lot of fun, and we'll be in we'll be in fine form by about the middle of the season. Yeah, that's encouraging, and it's from analysts that know about the Pac-12. I think one of the things, yeah. so like we we as a podcast decided that all right. I'm not going to know what's going on with Iowa football, but I can tell you about Trey Adams, and that guy's a freaking monster. And I think one of the things that is the benefit of that is you really do get to put the microscope on just some really intense uh, things that are happening in this conference that won't be seen by other people because they either choose to ignore it or it's expensive for them to do it or the time difference doesn't matter, whereas that isn't the case on our end. That's kind of a competitive advantage of being a West Coast football fan is I do get to stay up late and watch the games, and it's only like midnight (laughs) when I go to bed, not 3 o'clock in the morning. So (laughs) that's pretty good. All right, so let's talk about – there, there are some talented teams. We've been talking about the players. Who are a couple of the teams that you think have a shot of making the college football playoff? Because that certainly was a big albatross for us last year. and uh, certainly was a national story that the Pac-12 didn't get there. There were some talented teams, but I don't know if they were talented enough to compete at that level last year. Yeah. That probably changes this year. Who are a couple of teams that you're going to keep your eye on? Uh, well, definitely Washington. Yeah. yeah. Um, and have that huge one that I'm actually – going to be fortunate enough to get to cover for the Pac-12 network flying out to Atlanta um, on Thursday. Oh, uh, nice. You're going to be there. Okay. Yeah, going to get some. Again, we want to be where our teams are. So I'm going to be there reporting live from uh, the new Mercedes-Benz Georgia Dome, whatever they're calling it these days, and be getting you know interviews hopefully on Friday, getting interviews right after the game on the field or in the locker room. And we'll send those back to, to the shows that are going to be airing on the Pac-12 network. So trying to expand our access um, and enhance our coverage of football as much as possible. But, but yeah, I mean, Washington, if they beat Auburn, I think they are in the driver's seat um, to be the team for the Pac-12 that gets back to the college football playoff. Um, I think, you know, looking at the South, it's it's who knows with USC, right? Yeah, because yeah. 
I, I've heard all these things about JT Daniels. We expect him to be named the starter um, sometime in the next few days, but but who knows? A true freshman quarterback could be incredible and electric, or could be a true freshman quarterback. Well, so and the I'm line and the looking. running back too. I mean, I think there's. But but with that said, to speak to what you're saying, it's a talented team. <laughs> like you can't write off USC this exactly. year. Exactly, you can never write off the USC. But if I'm looking at the South, I'm actually circling your Arizona Wildcats because of a number of things. Because of the success that someone had in year one with Johnny Manziel, because he's got Khalil Tate coming back, because he's got J.J. Taylor, because you guys have Shun Brown and Tony Ellison, because your defense is going to be great, I think, because much like the Cal defense, so many freshmen were thrown into the fire last year with Colin Schooler and Tony Fields and Colin Wilburn, and like you've got so much of your secondary coming back, and here's the big thing, you don't play Washington or Stanford during the regular season. So I was looking at the Arizona schedule, and it's like, if you get past Ed Oliver in Houston in week two, which is not going to be an easy task by yeah, any means. He might eat Khalil Tate, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, but if you get past that, there could be a chance that we're coming to Levi Stadium very end of November with Washington and Arizona with both teams, great-looking records, a couple of big wins under their belt, looking to potentially be – Two teams headed to the college football playoff. I obviously put UW a little bit above Arizona because they've got that great week one matchup with Auburn. But uh, who knows? Stranger things, a la last year with Bama getting in, have happened, right? So <laughs> I think, again, it gets back to what we spent a lot of time talking about, uh, the exposure um, and just trying to get the Pac-12 stars and the best teams in the Pac-12 this year as much exposure as possible. Kate Scott, you are the best. Thank you so much for your time. By the way, where can people find you on Twitter if they would like to uh, follow your escapades? Oh, if they'd like to send me some nasty messages. <laughs> yeah, well, that's pretty much can, all Twitter they, is now. But. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm having trouble being on it these days, but I do still check and pay attention. Um, I'm at Kate, the letter T, and Scott, and I will be, uh, I'm sure, t- from Atlanta, from the uh, Chick-fil-A kickoff game between Washington and Auburn. And fingers crossed that... Uh, the Huskies get themselves and the Pac-12 off to a great start and off and running we will go and uh, hope to chat with you uh, during the season sometime, Brian. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, totally looking forward to it. So Thursday night, 4 o'clock, tune into the Pac-12 Network, the pregame show, uh, Utah Weber State. And stay tuned. We interviewed uh, Marcus Greaves from Oregon State and the Dam Podcast to preview what's going up there in Corvallis. Uh, stay tuned and thanks for your time, Kate. Thanks so much, Brian. Yeah. All right, 12-Pack Radio rolls along, and I'm excited to have our next guest on. I uh, try to listen to different Pac-12 podcasts to kind of get a vibe of what's going on in the conference. And one of the ones that I've continuously been struck by in terms of the uh, quality, not only of like the audio and everything, but just the quality of the content is the Damn Podcast, which is the premier Oregon State podcast. And it's headed up by uh, Angie, but also by Marcus Greaves, who is our guest. And they are both part of BeaverBlitz.com, which is an excellent website covering in Oregon State football. They have access to the team. It's an open program. And the content that they've churned out there is excellent. I can't I can't recommend uh, the damn podcast enough. Like I'm a big fan. And BeaverBliss.com, if you were an Oregon State fan, you should definitely do that. With all that said, I am more than thrilled to announce Mr. Marcus Greaves to talk about Oregon State. What's going on, Marcus? Hey, man, I'm just living life. How you doing? I'm hanging in there, man. Just counting down the days till football season. And, you know, you, you were a former player at Oregon State. So I'm assuming you're even more excited for the season to come up, particularly with the coaching change there, right? 
Yeah, man, it's it's the best time of the year. It's going to be an interesting season, man. I'm actually really excited for it. Hope springs eternal in spring, man. And as we move into the fall and then obviously summer too, it's it's fun to keep track of what's going on across the Pac-12. And obviously the Beavers had a pretty rough season. Oh, by the way, I should mention you can follow the podcast for uh, for free. on uh, You can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and all that stuff. And Marcus, before we start, uh, I love your podcast. You, you do a really good job with Angie there. And obviously Beaver Blitz, and, and I want to make sure that you get a plug-in for there. But what's going on at the Dam Podcast, which is the Oregon State, the perennial Oregon state podcast man you know I, I was fortunate enough to get that handed over to me just a couple of weeks ago um you know every week on wednesday we just break down kind of not only thoughts and you know obviously we'll break down the games after oregon state plays but um it's kind of just you know uh it was the outside looking in now it's inside looking out kind of just because um like you said i was a former player so i can kind of give a different perspective than what people are used to kind of um, you know, what Oregon State has been through, what they're going through, the changes, the culture, just everything like that. So it just gives like a real insight um, view of, around Oregon State football. Yeah, and you guys have access to the camp, you have access to the players, and it's very open now, which is really cool. So if anybody's interested in learning about what's going on at Oregon State, uh, definitely Angie and Marcus at uh, Dan Podcast and also at BeaverBlitz.com are two like excellent sources. You guys do an incredible job there, and it's always good when you have experts and experts that have access to the <laughs> to fall camp, which is a little bit <laughs> rare now in the Pac-12. Yeah, which is crazy, man, but you know, we're fortunate enough to have that. And especially with the new coaching staff here, you know, they, they really open it up. So I love it. And it <laughs> makes my job a lot easier. <laughs> well, let's talk about the, the coaching change. Obviously you have Gary Anderson leaving and you have a new coach come in, a walk on quarterback, kind of a, the poster boy for Oregon state football. Uh, what is the difference in culture there? And, and what kind of, uh, not just in terms of the atmosphere, cause I want you to cover that. Cause I do think that it's quite different from what players of the program saw last year until now, but also the difference in scheme that you have down there in Corvallis. Well, first of all, especially culture-wise of, of having Coach Smith in Oregon, I mean, at Oregon State now is just, it's back to that Oregon State feeling because the biggest thing I think with a team like Oregon State is, you know, you're not going to beat someone recruiting-wise, for example. Um, you're not going to be able to sell Corvallis like you would be able to sell, you know, maybe uh, L.A. or Eugene even or these smaller places. Um, but the thing with Jonathan Smith is he knows Oregon state. He's been there. He's been in, you know, our shoes. He's really, he really just understands the culture and how everything should be. I think with the last coach, uh, the last coaching staff, they really wanted it to be more of a big 10 feel. Um, just for example, like player wise, you know, obviously we know the PAC 12 is all about speed. Um, they wanted, you know, more size, more of a Stanford kind of look. And it just, you know, it just didn't really work out. So long story short, having Coach Smith back, someone who's been there and who's done that, just really understanding the culture and how everything should be in Corvallis, it makes it makes the students excited, it makes the community excited, you know, and frankly, it makes me excited because I'm excited to see what they have to do. So in terms of, yeah, you'd mentioned the Big Ten feel, you know, you wanted the big players, the smash mouth football and the Pac-12 tends to be a little bit more. uh, I I tend to be elitist when I talk about this, but more creative, a little bit more different outside the box fields and all these different programs. So scheme wise, what is what is Oregon State going to run? Or have you been able to see that when you're watching these practices? 
I think the biggest thing, what I've seen so far, at least identity-wise, say offensively and defensively, is that you just want to be – it's just like getting back to square one. You want to be on offense. You want to have explosive outside receivers. You want to have fast guys. But at the same time, you know, you can't – you need to have a quarterback who's a little – at least a little mobile, obviously not up to, um, you know, the standard of maybe Deshaun Watson or Johnny Manziel, but, you know, just – who can have a threat on their feet and keep the defense guessing really, because I think in the past, what, uh, in the, at least in the last couple of seasons, what Oregon state has had is just quarterbacks who either one run too much and not throw enough. You know, they don't feel comfortable in the pocket or they have a quarterback who just can't run at all. Right. <laughs> and so it's two very big extremes. I think finally they're just getting back to pack 12 football, um, you know, defensively, they're young, but I think they're fast. They're athletic. You know, the biggest thing with Oregon State is finding an identity because I feel like they lost that these past couple seasons. But I think the identity is coming back. It'll be more of a spread look on offense, defense. You'll see a lot of, I'll say, um, young athletic linebackers flying around the field and really trying to make big plays. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, particularly on the offensive side, whether or not Oregon State can step up and really improve over last year. And I do think that they could do that, but kind of looking at the numbers, so they are one of the worst teams in the country at play efficiency. They had a ton of negative drives. They gave up a lot of sacks or got stopped behind the backfield. And part of that was the injury of Jake Luton. I loved watching Jake Luton the first couple games. He reminded me of like a super, super erratic and less talented Brett Favre, which is still like high praise for somebody that just loves the game of college football he's running around he's slinging the ball down you don't know who he's gonna throw it to whether it's the other team but but he did bring a a huge sense of excitement for I think Pac-12 fans that were watching Oregon State and then just that brutal injury to his back and uh, and that threw a bunch of question marks up in the air on who's gonna start this year I know that uh, Connor Blunt and uh, Jack Coletto are a couple other names that have come on Jack Coletto being the the JUCO transfer out of Arizona Western, and then Connor Blunt, a player that's been in the system. Do you have a handle on who that quarterback's going to be? Is that still up in the air, or um, or who do you think is the best fit for this offense? Man, it's been it's been a toss up, and I think that's part of the reason why Oregon State has struggled in the past is because um, you know it's just when you when you don't have a set quarterback and you're always having competition wise quarterback, it's just it's too hard to build a connection between the quarterback and the receivers. I, you know, personally me, I feel like, especially playing or being a former running back, when you have a connection with the quarterback and you know who your quarterback is, it just makes everything go way more smooth compared to, you know, if you don't know if this guy's going to be quarterback or that guy's going to be quarterback. But personally, um, you know, it's just hard to really say because you can never go wrong with Jake Luton. Like you said, he's a great, he's a great athlete. He's a great quarterback. Um, he should, he's, you know, his problem is inconsistency and, you know, obviously he had that horrible injury to his back. Um, and the fact that he's not very mobile, so you're going to have to look at it. You know, you could, he has the bigger arm than Connor Blount does. We have to look at it. Connor can run. He's a little more threat on his feet. Um, I think he's quicker with his release. So, uh, it's just a toss up, you know, Coletto's kind of, uh, in between both of them. I'd like to say that Coletto reminds me a lot of Jake Browning which is funny, obviously, now that Jonathan Smith is the, uh, is the head coach. So um, it's really a toss-up, man. I'm going to say you can go either way. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Jake Wooten started, uh, to be completely honest, just because he has more experience and he was the starter. I like to say that if you are a starter, you're the one who has the spot to lose. But 
Um, you know, the quarterback situation on man is really just still up in the air. Is he a hundred percent healthy? I mean, that was such a, na- I mean, for people that didn't, have, didn't follow Oregon. I mean, he basically broke his back on the field. I mean, it was it was really brutal. Yeah, and the fact that cool. he's already back is surprising and, and awesome. By the way, I mean, it's really great a great story. Just the fight to come back. I can't even imagine the rehab and all that happened. But how is he health wise? Uh, health wise, he looks one hundred percent, my man. And so that's why that's why I said maybe you know I wouldn't be surprised if he started just because he was in that starting spot. He was in that starting role, and you know. For someone like you, you said who you like watching him, you can see that he had flashes of, you know, uh, great plays. And you're like, wow, that was a really good play, or that was a really great read. And then obviously you have times where, you know, maybe under through somebody, he didn't look as efficient, he didn't look as good. But health wise, you know, from when I've seen the practice, he looked 100%, and it's a great sight to see, man. Yeah, that's great news. And he has a heck of an arm, so it'll be interesting to see if he's able to use it. You know, moving to running back, Artavius Pierce looks like he's the guy, but listening to your last podcast, and again, like, can't highly recommend your podcast enough. It's excellent. Um, you were talking about some freshmen that had come in that are playing really well, particularly one at the running back position. Is anybody going to challenge Artavius Pierce for his spot as the starting running back for Oregon State? Uh, I would certainly say Jamar Jefferson. You know, the kid picked up late offers from USC, Tennessee, UCLA. Um, the kid has unbelievable talent. I'm going to be 100% honest. I thought that maybe I can come out of retirement and play, and then I watched <laughs> him play running that game, and I remembered why I was retired. But uh, the kid is just phenomenal, man. I think if anyone's going to push AP, um, it'll be him. He just has unbelievable size. He has great vision. Uh, and the thing I can't stress enough, especially at running back, is if you run the ball like it's the last time you're going to run it every play, you're going to be a great running back. And his effort, you know, just to get an extra yard or so is unbelievable. I would say the only thing he needs to work on is his top end speed. Okay. Being 17, 18 years old, you know, he's just. He has unbelievable talent. So I think he's the one who can push AP for sure. Yeah, and having players that need to work on that top-end speed, they can still be incredibly effective. I mean, at Arizona, uh, Kadeem Carey is a perfect example of somebody that just was excellent in the first 20 yards, and then he get caught. But, heck, yeah. he almost won the Heisman for us, so we'll take it. Um, you know, though, Ryan Nall has left the program. He went to go to the NFL draft. Um, he just brought a really different dynamic, that big, bruising back that just would bowl people over. Um, I know Artavius Pierce is 5'11", 200 pounds. What kind of uh, running attack does he bring? I think he just brings uh, just a downhill. He's not as physical, like you said, as Null, but he just has great vision, and that kid can go from 0 to 100 crazy quick, man. I, I He's almost, you know, probably one of the fastest people I've ever seen. And it's unbelievable because you see him and, you, and it doesn't look like it. But... He just has that stop-and-go motion that's just crazy, man. He's, like I said, he's just all around. He is probably one of the most talented backs I've ever seen personally. Okay. And then one other player I was curious about. I know Christian Wallace was the number six athlete in the 2016 class, and it looks like he hasn't quite figured it out in his time in Corvallis. Is he, I don't know where he's penciled it. We kind of had him at the running back position, but is he still hanging out there? Are they going to try to move him around? What's the story behind him? Uh, the thing with him is, you know, the way I look at it is whenever you move uh, a position, like obviously he moves from corner to running back, it's going to take some time. You know, no matter how great of an athlete you are, um, it just takes time to get back into the groove of running the ball. From what I've heard from Coach Michael Pizza, who's a running back coach at Oregon State, 
he just needs to get his feet back under him and, and running forward. Um, I think, you know, from what I've seen, he has, like I said, he has the size. He has the skill. Obviously, being the number six athlete in the nation, you know, you, you obviously have talent, and he definitely has it. He just needs to, you know, get more comfortable in the running back position and get really just get back into the running back mode and back in the stance, catching on the backfield, blocking, stuff like that. But, you know, the kid has all the potential in the world. He just has to go seize his moments. I got you. So, you know, moving to receiver here, Oregon State's leading wide receiver last year caught for 357 yards and three touchdowns, which is not the productivity that you want uh, out of your receiving core. Now, obviously, the tight end's a different story, and I love how Oregon State uses the tight ends. Um, and also, again, having your quarterback break his back halfway through the season can lead to uh, such production. But uh, who are some of the names that we can look out for? I think if all of the, on the offensive side, this is kind of that one position uh, preview where we kind of go, I really don't know who's going to step up and who's going to be the guy on this team. Is there uh, a or a couple players that we should keep an eye out for when we're watching Oregon State on the receiving core? Certainly look out for Timmy Hernandez. Um, I think he is really a sleeper. You know, that kid, his route running is so precise. Um, I was fortunate enough to be his teammate, and especially being a running back, obviously I was not as good at running routes, but there were times I'd go out and run routes with Timmy. Um, he really helped me out with not only my routes, but understanding truly how to get open. And if you go back and watch the film, there's not a time that Timmy really was guarded to a point where he couldn't get open. You know, and that's crazy to say because, you know, the Pac-12 has a lot of great cornerbacks. But when you truly look at it, you know, Timmy can get open at any time. He's definitely um, one person I'd keep an eye out for. Another person is Isaiah Hodgins. He has the size. He's young. He's physical. Biggest thing I think for him is that he blocks downfield, which is huge. And so it's not, not only his blocking ability, but he has such great control of his body. With standing at, I would say, around the 6'3", 6'4", frame, his ability to just control his body in the air is unbelievable. I would say watch out for those guys. And then a guy that a lot of people aren't really looking into because of his size uh, is Champ Fleming. I think we were talking you know, a little off air. I want to say he was... What is he, 5'6", five, 5'6", six? Five, six, five, five, 150, 40 pounds. So, um, you know, the kid has is not big by any means. And a lot of people would look at that and say there's no chance that he can play um, solely because of the size. And even myself, when I first seen him, I was like, I don't know if this kid's going to make it. But after watching him, you know, the fact that he has, he has that DeAnthony Thomas speed and explosion, he has this vision that, you know, he, can, he basically sets up the blocks before they're there, which not a lot of players who can run the ball have, but if you have it, obviously it's a huge plus. I would definitely say keep an eye out for him because he will be more than likely Oregon, State, Oregon State's deep threat and throwing it back he would be Oregon State's fly sweep James Rogers kind of guy. Okay. Yeah, I, I fear for his life a little bit uh, at 5'5", five, five, 150, <laughs> facing some of these disgusting <laughs> uh, linebackers. But uh, you're at camp and I'm not, so it'll be interesting to see. And, and to have those players on the field is so fun, by the way, when those little water bug guys that are, you know, get lost behind the offensive tackles and stuff. So yeah. uh, <laughs> it'll be fun to watch him play. Um, you know, Oregon State has always done a pretty good job with their tight ends. Uh, who do you have this year that, that we should keep an eye on? I am for Noah Togi. You know, I I would easily argue he's the best tight end in the Pac-12, um, just because you know he used to be a hooper. Uh, he used to play basketball at Oregon State. He has the size, he has the speed, he has the hands. He needs to overcome some adversity when it comes to injuries. But 
if he can do that, man, I'm telling you, I have no doubt in my mind he is the best tight end in the conference. Yeah, when we play uh, Pac-12 fantasy football, which we do, there's like three tight ends that catch more than four balls, <laughs> and one of them is always at yeah. Oregon State. So he had 461 yards last year, 34 receptions, about 13 and a half yards per catch. So it really could be awesome. I, I think the biggest question here is there are some decent players on your offensive line but uh at the end of the day this Oregon State offense was really brutal last year who who do you think is going to step up and and how is the depth there at at the Oregon State offensive line front because if you don't have a good line you're going to have whether it's Luton or somebody else running for their life you're not going to have the blocks for the running back what does it look like there on the on the offensive front I think it's going to be a little learning curve. I mean, they have they have players like Gus Lavaca, who obviously was a um, freshman All American. Yeah, yeah, he he killed it. You know, he. It's just the fact that you want to mold the offensive line to not obviously trust each other, trust their assignment, and be disciplined. And I think I think Oregon State has that. That this line has that, but it's the depth, man, that's really been killing them. Obviously, football is a horrible sport. Injury wise, you know, you, you can get hurt at any moment, any play. So um, they just have to stay healthy. And I think if they stay healthy, then, you know, like you said, a player like Jake or a player like Connor Blount at quarterback will really have a good season. But obviously, it all starts in the trenches at the offensive line. And you have the all name team. You have adult film star Summer Houston. You have Yanni uh, Dermagatorius. You have one Simeus Clark. You got a, a murderer's row of names there on that offensive front. <laughs> Yeah, man, they have some of the wildest names I've ever heard. It was hard to uh, it was hard to pronounce all of them, especially at running back. <laughs> <laughs> Danny Kelp, that's another good one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, all right, let, let's get let's get to the defense, but we'll do it right after this. Hey, 12-Pack Radio listeners, did you know that all of the advanced college football statistics from Rob's Beta Rank model are available online? They are. Check out our website, wildcatradioaz.com, and just click on the Pac-12 Wizard tab on the front of the page. Rob has all of his numbers and projections for every Pac-12 team and for every college football team, for that matter. Will your team suck this year? Read up on the advanced statistics from Beta Rank at wildcatradioaz.com to find out. All right, we are back breaking down the Oregon State Beavers with Marcus Greaves from BeaverBlitz.com and the Dam Podcast. And Marcus, let's get into the defense here. Also, another rough year. Uh, the Oregon State defense ranked one of the worst in the country. Um, really bad at drive efficiency. I think that was the biggest killer. If you're allowing teams to just continue to march down the field, there's nothing more demoralizing for fans, for coaches, for the defense, for the offense, for everybody involved. Um, and the defensive line could be uh, interesting. You have a couple players, but not a ton of experience on here. Is there anybody that's going to stand out and make some noise on that front? Because pressure the quarterback is so important for the rest of the defense. Yeah, I would say Isaac Hodgins, uh, Isaiah Hodgins' little brother. He is a little undersized, but he has you know kind of a tenacious uh, attitude to him. Um, I like to think of, that he has a, kind of the same mindset as uh, a Mike Tyson kind of guy. You know, once he has the pad, you know, off you know off the field, he's a great guy, super nice kid. When I met him on the field, he's a whole different player. You don't really want to be by him because you're like, man, this guy's. This guy's like a nut job, but, you know, <laughs> he's a great player, and he's a great kid. He has, like I say, he doesn't have the size you would want as a defensive lineman, but at the same time, in the Pac-12, it's all about speed, and he has that. He has the speed. He has great hands. I mean, 
he's a true freshman, and you know he could easily start. So um, that's one guy I'd look out for. Another guy is uh, Isaac Garcia. He he stepped away from football for a little bit. Um, he had a couple offers out of high school from UW, from Wazoo, but this guy is, I mean, he just has this athletic build to him that if he could just hone in on the little details of defensive line just a little bit, I think he's going to be, I think he he is the reason why the defensive line will turn it around. So it seems like you guys are relying on new players because there are some other folks that are in the, on the depth chart here that have some more experience in the system. Is that kind of the focus they're going is to try to get some new blood uh, to put some pressure on the quarterback? I would just say the the biggest thing there is they just want to find someone who wants to make the plays because you know at the end of the day, um, no matter what the play call is, no matter no matter who you're playing, if you know when we the way to look at it at least being a former player is if you really want to play, you're going to put yourself in the right position to play. So if there's a young guy who's watching more film, working harder, doing more in that in you know in the shadows rather than the spotlight, and he earns that starting spot then, yeah, you're, you're obviously going to put him over. But um, I would just say that just, you know, Coach Smith is just trying to find the right guys and find the, the 22 players who want to play the most and who love the game and who want to give it their all. And I think that's, you know, that's something that's going to turn the program around, and that's the way to start doing it. Right, and shout out to Chris Mangus, the six foot, three hundred and twenty pound guy. It's the solid verbal dorm fridge <laughs> build where it's short and big and wide, and so it'll be fun to see if he can see the field. I love players like that; very funny. All right, so going to the linebacking core here, I think there are a couple players that return that had some statistics in the sense of not just tackles. One of the things we talk about on the podcast is, yes, you can have a lot of tackles, but where are they, right? So if you have 100 tackles and they're all 10 yards past the line of scrimmage, not quite a good thing. Or if you're pressuring the quarterback and you're at least uh, bringing some havoc when you need to, particularly on the outside of a linebacking core, that's always a good thing. You have a couple players here. Jonathan Willis uh, comes to mind that had some havoc inducing stats you know tackles for loss quarterback hurries force fumbles and all that um one of the questions i had was a uh, bright Agwebu. uh Agwebu, there we go uh is is he back I, I know he there was some questions surrounding whether or not he was returning no unfortunately uh he stepped away from the team oh no that's a that's brutal because he was one of the better product uh one of the better players that had production on this line so you got jonathan willis 68 tackles six tackles for a loss two quarterback hurries forced fumbles pass breakups you know broken (laughs) broken bones and all that stuff he's great um (laughs) who else is going to step up here on this line because i think you're going to need it particularly with an inexperienced defensive front um you're going to need to have some people putting some pressure on that quarterback in the second level uh, certainly Key Wetzel, uh, the kid is, I'm telling you, man, if you just watch Key play, um, his ability to shed blocks is unbelievable. And it's not with strength, but it's with finesse. No matter who you are and no matter how you're trying to block him, he will find a way to get open or get unblocked. It's crazy, man. Um, definitely keep an eye out for Key Wetzel. Hamakar Rashid is one guy who he took a little time to develop and get used to college football. But, you know, if you just look at him, in his football pads, man, you're just like, there's no way. Because, I mean, the kid's 6'4", 6'3", he's about 245, and I'm telling you, man, he kind of looks just like Hercules. So it's, <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable, man. He, 
and he's going to be a guy who's going to make a lot of noise. I would, you know, I would place a lot of paychecks that he's about to um, make some serious noise in the Pac-12. And another guy is Andre Hughes-Murray. I know he got a little playing time last season um, at, uh, inside linebacker. He understands the game a lot better. I think the biggest thing for him was just understanding his assignment. But now that I think that he understands it and he's bought into the schemes, you know, I think this linebacking core is honestly the best probably the best top to bottom group on this Oregon State roster. Yeah, I think so. When you look at particularly with uh, Xavier Crawford leaving, um, this is the most experienced, most productive unit out there on the field. So it'll be interesting to see how much damage they can do and if they can kind of hold the line. I think you're going to have some uh, some scrapes and bruises there on the, the defensive uh, front. So it's good to have that, that core right there that can maybe fill in where needed. Uh, moving to the secondary, obviously Xavier Crawford, I thought, was the best player on Oregon State last year who was just kind of a lockdown corner, and he's gone. Um I'm just kind of looking at the now. There are players that have um, that have stats here. David Morris and Jalen Moore uh, out there in uh, the safeties. There uh, come back. They were they had a ton of experience, but they had a ton of experience. Maybe not. Uh, maybe chasing down a lot of players. I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sean Wilson uh, comes back as a corner, although he's five nine, so pretty undersized for a guy who. Is it, who's going to be that lockdown corner? I mean, you might not have one this year, but who has the best chance of filling in for Crawford? Uh, definitely, I would say Isaiah Dunn. Isaiah Dunn is a great talent. Um, I've been holding Isaiah to a high standard just because he he started as a true freshman, and so um, you know he got all the you know maybe the butterflies out of the system. He put on some size, some speed. You know, the kid is a great size corner. I think the biggest thing for him is, you know, just stay confident because his freshman season, you know, you're going up against players um, like Dante Pettis every play. He, you know, he was guarding the best receiver that the opposite team had. And so it might have taken his confidence down a little bit, maybe not. Regardless, you know, I think he's going to be the lockdown corner for sure. And at safety, I would keep an eye out for Jeffrey Manning Jr. Uh, that kid has a football IQ, uh, probably the highest one I've ever seen to be honest, just understanding where the play is going to go. There's a couple of times in practice where, you know, and I somewhat remember the calls at, you know, <laughs> the offensive calls for the plays. And so I'm looking, understanding what the play is. You know, I look at the safety, uh, Jeffrey Manning Jr. He's yelling out where he thinks the play is going to go. Long story short, the plays would 95% of the time go to where he says that they're going to go. <laughs> so that's a huge thing to have, at, you know, with such a young defense that I think they're going to mature and be a lot better than a lot of people think. Okay. Um, you know, I'm looking at this schedule and I know that there is some promise and some optimism coming out of uh, the Oregon state camp. And there should be particularly that happens with a coaching change for, uh, and one that is a little bit more open. It seems like the players are playing more loose, but at the end of the day, you look at the schedule and go, Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, so Ohio yeah. state, Arizona, you have, uh, you have USC, Stanford, Washington, Oregon, um, just that end of the season, literally USC, Stanford, Washington, Oregon to close out the season. How many wins would be a successful season for, for you? If you're looking at, this team at the end of the year uh what i like to say especially just because this has been brought up on not only our podcast but um really everywhere hovering oregon state football and you know obviously this team i don't think is going to win you know five or six games but the best way to look at it for me is say for example the defensive line maybe coach smith doesn't get that you know doesn't hit that four win mark but what he does is um 
get three sacks in a game, get four sacks in a game, just show that there's development and the players are getting better because, you know, the, the switch is not going to flip, you know, overnight. It's going to take, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some recruiting classes, um, some hard work from the guys, obviously, but, you know, to be a hundred percent honest, if you win three, if you win three games, I would say that's, that's a huge step in the right direction because in order to win those games, you have to, or in order to win three games, you obviously have to be at least one Pac-12 team. And, you know, whether that be Colorado, Arizona, whoever, um, just being in a spot to be competitive for a full four quarters is going to be a huge step in the right direction. And then we'll eventually turn over into wins. Yeah, you have a, a good run in the middle of that schedule. Arizona, Arizona State, Washington State, California, Colorado. If if you can show that you can be competitive in those games, and I'm glad you said three because I think that's reasonable. I really do think that this team could improve over last year. It's kind of hard not to. Um, yeah. And with a new attitude, and I know that particularly listening to the Dan podcast last year, it just seemed like the coaching staff halfway through that season had uh, had kind of taken a turn for the worse in terms of uh, their dedication to getting that team up for each game. So you got to think for a team that a lot of people had myself included bet you know we we were kind of excited about Oregon State going into last year and then obviously just the coaching and uh, I mean just a bunch of bad juju coming out of there um so it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of put this together but there are some big holes at defensive line the secondary could be interesting um and of course the quarterback if you can get a quarterback that can you know complete 60 percent of his passes and have a two-to-one quarterback uh a two-to-one touchdown to interception ratio that's not asking too much right like that that's just a, that's a game manager yeah, that's there. Reasonable. Okay. Yeah, it's extremely reasonable, and you hope you hope that's what could happen. But you know, obviously, time will tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will we will definitely tune in, Marcus. Thank you so much for for coming on. If you are an Oregon State fan, that subscribe to the damn podcast it's excellent it's free on itunes uh and then if you want to go even more in depth beaverblitz.com is the paid site and you're not going to get better coverage i mean marcus and angie are on the field the whole time the practices are open they're going to give you the best possible coverage for your money so definitely check them out marcus man thank you so much for coming on we really appreciate your time yeah no problem my man it was a great time thank you so much <laughs> no problem take care